Hey everyone, my name is Adam and welcome to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. At the end of today's episode, please take a minute and download our free Chestnut Ridge app. It has all our recent message content and more. You can also head to theridge.church to get information on service times and get info on everything going on here at the Ridge. We hope this podcast will encourage and inspire you as you continue to grow in your relationship with God and others. Good morning. I just love hearing those stories of life change. We just finished a series called Relevant, and my first week of the series, I talked about the fact that we have a message that's able to change the world one life at a time, and that's really what this is about. And I love the fact that people of different ages are getting baptized. I'm really encouraged when I see young people because I realize they're the future. And it's so encouraging to see them saying at a young age, I want to follow Jesus. When I first moved to Morgantown here to help start the church, uh, if we wanted to do a baptism, we had to do it outdoors. That was the only option we had. We were kind of meeting in a home at the time. And because of that, some of the baptisms were kind of unique. The very first baptism that took place was a young man that I baptized in a creek, Decker's Creek. Uh, what happened is that he had put, placed his faith in Christ. He had begun reading his Bible, and he came across a story in the book of Acts where one of the leaders of the church in Jerusalem, a deacon by the name of Philip, shared the gospel with this Ethiopian official. God had said, go and talk with this guy. And as they were riding in the chariot, Philip explained the gospel to him, and he believed And at a certain point, they looked out, and this Ethiopian said, I see water over there. What prevents me from being baptized? And so they stopped the chariot, and the text indicates that Philip and this official went down into the water, and then they came up out of the water, just a clear indication of the type of baptism it was. Well, my friend had just read that story after putting his faith in Christ, and he looked directly at me, and he used those exact same words, what prevents me from being baptized? And we were standing at Decker's Creek at the time, and I could think of a few things at the moment. It was like March. The water was going to be ice cold. We were fully dressed. I had a coat on, and it was Decker's Creek. Probably not the cleanest creek at the time, but we went down and did the baptism, and it was just an exciting moment in his life and mine as well. A few years later, we had another kind of an interesting baptism. A family had begun attending the church. Several members of the family wanted to be baptized, but they chose the winter to do it. It was like December, maybe January, snow on the ground. They wanted to get baptized in Cheat Lake. And I really do love to encourage people to go ahead and take the step of obedience, but it was cold, I thought. When we arrived at Cheat Lake, as I was getting close to the lake, I noticed that it was solid ice. And I have to admit, I felt relief, like, oh, I'm not going to have to get into that water. I mean, I love Jesus and all, but, but then we got to the exact spot where we planned to do the baptism, and there was a 10-foot by 10-foot area right there that didn't have any ice. It's right at the bend by the new bridge. And I thought, here we go. And so we went in the water. And um, I'm sure for those that were baptized that day, it was incredibly memorable. Very cold, but they wanted to identify with the Lord through baptism. But it does raise a question, in some of our minds anyway, why? 
Why do we do baptisms? And why by immersion? And I want to use an acrostic to make it memorable. The acrostic spells the word point, P-O-I-N-T, because baptism is something that points to something else. The letter P in the, the word point stands for picture. The baptism is a picture of a death and a resurrection. Uh, it's the picture of the object of the person's trust. In other words, they're putting their trust in a Savior who died, who was buried, and then raised again from the dead. We do not believe that people get right with God by being good, because none of us are good enough, or going to church, or, or even following Jesus. None of those approaches to getting right with God solve the problem of our sinfulness. We need a savior, we need a deliverer, and we believe Jesus was the son of God and God the son. He came into this world, lived a sinless life, so that he could volunteer to take upon himself the penalty for every sin that you and I have committed. And he died and he was buried and raised again from the dead. And, and so when people go under the water of baptism, what they're saying is, I placed my trust in a savior who died for me and was buried. But then we usually bring them back up because there was a resurrection. Jesus rose again from the dead, and the object of my faith is a Savior that didn't just stay in the tomb, but rose again from the dead. But it's just a picture. We don't believe that it is the thing that gets you to heaven. The illustration we use around here is that of like a wedding band. A wedding band does not make me married. It just indicates that I'm married. If I take off the wedding band, I'm still married. No, I was married, but this is a sign of it. It tells the whole world I'm taken. Sorry to the rest of you. I'm committed. And baptism is a similar thing. And so it is a picture of a death and resurrection. Of course, in Romans 10, 9, we see how we receive this forgiveness of sin. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, it's a reference to his deity. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be delivered from the penalty of your sin. And so it is a picture. What is the O? Well, the O in the word point stands for an opportunity to obey Christ. Why do we do baptism? Well, because Jesus asked us to. After Jesus rose again from the dead, he met with about 500 of the disciples of his on this mountaintop. And this was going to be the last time he was ever going to see them because he was getting ready to return home, to return to his Father in heaven. And he said some profound words to his disciples as they stood there just before he ascended. In Matthew 28, 18, we read these words. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now, I can't read those words without being impacted by it because I just think, wow, what a statement. All authority, not some, in earth and heaven? Do you understand what Jesus was claiming here? That he was claiming to be the Son of God and God the Son. And of course, he had just risen from the dead, so I tend to believe him. And then from that position of authority, he gave the disciples their marching orders. Continuing in the next verse, go therefore, he said, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And of course, the end of the age hasn't come yet. And so we feel these are our instructions. Now, in these verses, it looks like Jesus gave his disciples four commands. It looks like he said, go, make disciples, baptize, 
teach. But there's only one command in the original Greek language in which those verses was written. The command is, make disciples. The rest of it modifies it. The rest of it shows how you make disciples. We make disciples by going and sharing Christ with people. And then when they respond, we make disciples by baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We make disciples then by teaching them. And so we feel like this is a, a step of obedience, saying yes to Jesus, I'll do it because you've asked me to do it. Third, I, in the word point, is we believe it's an initiation into the church. Uh, you know, in the New Testament church, there was really no membership class, so how did you kind of join the church? Well, there are verses that indicate they were baptized, and then they were at it. It's kind of like the membership class, in a sense, an initiation. And so we read in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, it says, those who accepted Peter's message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. Peter had preached a message to a large group that were gathered in Jerusalem for this feast called Pentecost. And filled with the Holy Spirit, he began to preach to the crowd. Thousands of people were gathered there. And he convinced them that they had put to death the Messiah that they'd been waiting for for thousands of years. You crucified the author of life. And he said, Jesus rose again from the dead. And the Holy Spirit convicted the people that were gathered there. And they said, what do we do? I mean, they realized what they had done. What do we do? And Peter's response was, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and then go get baptized. And then the section ends with that verse. 3,000 people received the message and were added to the church. It's like an initiation. Now, I've only been involved with a few initiations in my life. One of them took place at Bible College. I had been accepted to be an RA for the next year. One morning, I was sleeping soundly when some guys broke into my room, probably at 6 in the morning, broke into my room, and somehow they got a key to get in there, and they grabbed me, and one held me down. Another one went into my closet and found some clothes that didn't look good together. I mean, they found the most crazy combination. I don't know if it was plaid and stripes or what it was, but it didn't look good. They said, you have to wear this today. And then they put this sign on my back that had a question on it. And I don't remember what the question was, but I had to answer it a certain way. And I don't know what the penalty was if I didn't follow the rules, but I was going along, fine, I'll go ahead and do that. And so all day long, I wore that goofy outfit with the sign on my back, and if someone asked me the question, I had to answer it. It was an initiation of sorts. The current RAs were welcoming the new guys. And at, at the time, I didn't quite appreciate it, but you know, when it was done, I, I felt like I was part of something. Like, I, I finally, I belong to this group called RAs, and I kind of felt special about it, and I think that's what this is about. You're initiated into the church. You're placed into the body of Christ when you're baptized in the water. It's a picture of that, this initiation that you go through. Fourth, it's a picture of the new life, the N, in the word point, stands for new life. It's an illustration of our new life in Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we read, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are born anew, born again, Jesus said. It's a, it's a spiritual birth that takes place. 
And so many things happen the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ. You're not the same. The Spirit of God comes to live inside of you. He begins to change you from the inside out. But the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 6 used the idea of baptism to illustrate this new life we have in Christ. He put it kind of this way that, you know, just like Jesus died and was buried, but then he rose again with a glorified body. When you go under the water of baptism, what you are saying is, I died to what I was before Jesus. All those things about my life that are inconsistent with what it means to be a Christian, I died to those things. Those things are buried. And when you come out of the water, you're saying, now I am living for Jesus. I am now a Christian. And it begins to impact how we live our lives. And so it's an illustration of the new life. Bury the old. Start living for the new. And finally, the T in the word point is testimony. It is a testimony of our, our faith. Now, I don't actually like to use the word testimony because it's so churchy. But it does communicate the idea. Because baptism was about going public about your faith. It was, it was a way to, to express the inward faith that you had outwardly. You see, you become a Christian when in, in the depth of your heart you say yes to Jesus, but nobody can see that. And so Jesus said, from now on, when you get baptized, you know what, I'm sorry, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, in me, I want you to illustrate it through this, a testimony. And that's what it is for all of us as well. So I'm hoping you get the point of baptism, that it is, it is a picture you know, and it's merely just a picture. It is an opportunity to obey, for you to say, I'm going to obey Jesus Christ with my life. It is an initiation into the family of God in the church. It is, it is an illustration of the new life that you have with Christ, that things are brand new now, and then it's a testimony to other people. So what should we do with this? Well, I think there's some of you here today that have, you put your faith in Christ maybe a long time ago, maybe even years and years ago, but you haven't taken this step. Maybe some of you have just recently put your trust in Christ. But I want to encourage you to obey the Lord in baptism. Next baptism is going to be February 13th, Super Day, or Super Bowl, maybe Super Day as well, Super Bowl Day. And um, I encourage you to, to consider whether the Lord might have you to do that. Now, some of you, you might be hearing about this for the first time. So you say, well, I'm not ready for that. And just, uh, you know, that's something you have to wrestle with with God. And if you're convinced these things are true, I encourage you to take that step of obedience. And, and again, you might have questions about it. Like some people wonder, if I was baptized as an infant, do I need to be baptized again by immersion? Well, we think that this baptism is a different kind of baptism than a baby's baptism. It's a different kind entirely. Now, this is called a believer's baptism. This is a baptism that takes place after you put your trust in Christ. Go and make disciples baptizing. And so when you understand the gospel and you understand the significance of it and you realize what it's all about, then you say, I want to do that. So some of you, that's where you're at. Others of you, it's my hope every time we have a baptism Sunday that you actually find Jesus. That you hear these stories of, of life change and you see the difference that Jesus has made and you say, I need that, I want that. And you decide to turn to Jesus Christ. And it's a simple thing. I mean, John 3.16, one of the children that was baptized quoted John 3.16. You know, God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It's simply a matter of 
placing your trust in Jesus Christ as the solution to the problem of your sin. Or as John put it, as many as receive him, Jesus, to those who believe in his name, God gives the privilege to become his children. And so most people, they receive Christ in the form of a prayer. They just say, I, I'm, a, I'm a sinful person. I can't fix it. I need a deliverer. I need a savior. And I do believe, God, you sent your son Jesus to die for me. And then he rose again from the dead. And so today I want to put my trust in him. Today I receive him as my savior. And so if you've never done that, I encourage you to do that this morning. Thanks for listening to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. If you'd like to hear more messages now, you can check out our past series at theridge.church slash messages or download the free Ridge app. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time.